This is Performance Delivered, insider secrets for digital marketing success with Stefan Horst and Dave Antiel. Welcome to the Performance Delivered, insider secrets for digital marketing success podcast, where we talk with marketing and agency executives and learn how they build successful businesses and their personal brand. I'm your host, Stefan Horst. The topic for today's episode is brand harmony. Here to speak with me is Martin Pansani, who is the founder of Active Brain and Body, a think tank for brain-body fitness, neurogenesis, and neuroplasticity. Martin is a global business executive and serial entrepreneur. He is the founder of an ultra-premium tequila brand, the author of Secret of Aging Well, Get Outside, a TED speaker, and a mountaineer who has hiked and climbed 100 million uphill steps across seven continents over 50 years. Martin, welcome to the show. Great to be with you, Stefan. Well, Martin, before we discover today's topic, let's talk a little bit more about yourself. Um, tell our listeners about how you got started in your career and how did you end up where you are currently? Well, you know, when I was in college, I was pre-law. And about halfway through, I was starting to get bored with the idea of being a lawyer. And I read a book called From Those Wonderful People Who Brought You Pearl Harbor by an ad executive named Jerry Del Femina, who's still around. This is, we're talking, you know, late 70s here. And um, it forced me to switch my studies from pre-law to mar marketing and psychology. And uh, I tagged on an MBA and I got a job as a marketing analyst at a really cool company in 1979 called Cubeline, which is the company that morphed into Diageo now, the world's largest spirits company. But back then, it was a diversified holding company for consumer brands. They owned Kentucky Fried Chicken, A1 Steak Sauce, Great Coupon Mustard, Smirnoff Vodka, Jose Cuervo Tequila, and a bunch of great brands. And it was a great place to get exposed to branding at a very early stage. And, uh, you know, I had a great career there. I was there almost 13 years. And uh, really learned a lot about branding and uh, what mistakes not to make and, and what to do. And it was, a, it was a really great formative experience that set me on a path pretty much consistently in marketing, but bouncing back and forth between the agency side and the client side. I was on Madison Avenue for about 10 years at two legendary ad agencies, Foot Cone and Building and DDB um, Worldwide. I bounced back to the client side as the chief marketing officer in the fitness business. Then I became the CEO of a, a music company that specialized in music for marketing, uh, commercial music and uh, movie trailers and, and things like that. And uh, about 10 years ago, I became an entrepreneur wanting to uh, do it myself. I've been involved with 12 startups. Uh, three have been quite successful. Uh, everything else is, uh, you know, still in process and some of them were outright failures. But so I have a combination of really big company branding experience, marketing, and small company entrepreneurship startups. Kind of all over the place, I guess, at this point. Yeah, very interesting story. I mean, it sounds like, uh, based also on the intro, you've you've seen and done a lot in in your career so far. I have a uh, a compulsion for <laughs> exploration and, and new things. And you know, you mentioned my book. My book is all about my career hiking and climbing and trying to convince other people that uh, it is the fountain of youth. And um, yeah, and I also have a, a penchant for uh, fine spirits, and I did create with some partners, a great tequila company that thrives at the moment. And so, yeah, I like to get involved with a lot of different things. And it gives me a great deal of perspective on different industries, different categories, 
um, different brands. And uh, I always think that's an advantage to have as much perspective as possible. If you're going to be in marketing, you have to have a really broad outlook on things. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Well, Branding has many definitions and meanings. You have a long history of managing some of the world's biggest and most iconic brands. How do you define what a brand is? Yeah, there's a lot of definitions, but I kind of have settled on one, um, which is branding is the process used by your product, service, or company to make itself known to consumers. And then I tag on to that and also to differentiate the brand from similar products and competitors. So it's a combination of activities. Most of them create a perception in the consumer's mind. You shape that perception and you use that in a way to differentiate yourself from similar brands and to add value. Branding is about adding value. It, it, uh, if you don't do it properly, you've just got a commodity. So what you layer on top of that has to be unique and create value and, and com competitive differentiation and meaning and emotion. It has to be memorable. So there's a lot of dimensions to branding. A lot of people, um, you know, only do a piece of it. But great brands are, are difficult to create and, and extremely difficult to manage because there's a lot of forces that want to pull it in different directions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, when we talk about brands, Apple obviously always, for me, comes to mind, right? A company that is able to sell every two, three years new phones slightly improved to the same audience. You know, they, they pay a premium for for their notebooks etc and a lot has to do with the the brand what people perceive this company and the products to be yeah apple, apple is always on everybody's list of, of brands that have over time become just so valuable and uh you know, add so much extra to to the product yeah it's a great, great brand yeah so in addition to that why is branding important well it's important because it separates you from your competitors. Uh, branding is what allows you to charge premium prices. Branding is, a, is what allows um, you to stand out from in most categories, which is just a, an incredible amount of variety and, and there's just so many competitors. So you have to really understand the competitive set and create something that stands out, stands above it. Without a, without a solid brand, everything you do is diminished. Um, if you create a great brand, everything you do is easier, like we just talked about Apple. Apple, uh, you know, almost everything they do at this point has got the luster of the brand equity attached to it, and, and it gives it a, a great head start. There are some brands that uh, that obviously don't live up to that, and everything they do has to is much harder. They have to spend more. They have to grind it out, uh, and it's all because their brand isn't uh, unique or, or special. Yeah, but I mean, similarity. So many brands are, you know, um, I have to say it this way, but they're boring and um, they don't stand out. Um, a lot of people create a brand based on bringing their strategy to life, which can be good. But if you don't put a layer of creativity on top of that or or magic, actually, it's a unique process to do it right. Um, what you basically have is what I call stratication, which is executing a strategy, which Without the creativity, without the uh, the magic, it is kind of boring. And I, I, I'm disappointed, actually. I, I see a lot of that out there. I see a lot of really mediocre branding. Not a lot of stuff pops these days. Uh, I think the, the artistry of branding has been diluted because of the 
the world we're working in right now is very distracted. There's so many touch points. Digital techniques and tactics tend to undermine solid branding in many cases. And it's a disturbing trend. And there's ways around that. But unfortunately, a lot of people doing branding have not been doing it long enough to see see ways to overcome what's happening because of digital marketing. Yeah, yeah. Do you think it's it's... I mean, you know, you mentioned digital marketing. Do you think it's just because of digital marketing or do you think because people just try to cut corners? They try to kind of get something out there as quick as possible, um, you know, yeah, test it? Yeah. Cutting corners is part of that. Um, it's also the speed of what happens digitally. You know, digital um, is content hungry. It demands an incredible amount of content, which there's only so much you can create and, uh, and, and create on strategy. So as a result, people create stuff just almost for the sake of the tactic of, of a digital tool. And, and that tends to really dilute what you're doing. I mean, you can't create continuous new content and have it be as special as content that you're going to spend a lot of time thinking about and creating and executing at a higher level. You, when you're pumping out content for Instagram or Facebook, um, it usually tends to be diluted. It gets it, it, The more you do, the, the less interesting it is. And I, I, I think I know the solution to it, and it's It sounds almost like a counter trend, but for me, what's lacking in the creation of really good brands these days is the consistency element. Um, people just try to create content in, in many different directions, hoping something sticks. It's almost throwing stuff up against the wall. And they forget that being consistent and repetition is what builds the brand. Repetition is kind of a lost art. And I, I think part of that is The people who are creating content right now tend to be young. They don't understand brands the way they will at some point after they've made all the mistakes they can make. But there's no need to have every single bit of content be a totally fresh idea. Consistency and repetition is how you build a brand. And uh, I, I find not enough people are, have learned that lesson or have gone back to school to understand how some of those great brands were built. Now, a second ago, you talked about the artistry of branding. Can you can you talk a little bit about that? In your from your point of view, what is the artistry of branding? What what is included in that? Yeah, you know, I, I hate to say it, and this sounds ageist or anti-youth, but part of it is it takes a while to become an artist. You have to practice a lot, and you know, the average age uh, of of creative directors at an ad agency is about thirty now. Um, yet. 50% of the adult population is over age 50. Um, so there's kind of a disconnect there. And um, not only, I think, does the extreme youth movement in not only ad agencies, but in digital media companies, and obviously Google and Facebook, they're extremely young workforces. They're controlling content. I, I don't think they have fully learned the lessons of branding and some of the basics of of creating solid brands and solid communications, which again, I go back to repetition and consistency, build brands. Um, pumping out continuous, fresh content is difficult, but it's got to have some guiding force, some strategy. It can't just be all tactical in search of cheap clicks and, and attention because when everybody's doing that, you know, what consumers do with all that content is at some point you tune it out. Very little special content gets through and you just, it just becomes static. You know, it's funny, I, I, I was first told this lesson when I was very young by a famous ad guy named William Free, Bill Free, he used to run an agency in, 
on Madison Avenue, the affluent free agency. And he said something to me kind of profound, and it's still true. He said, the people who create ads and content get bored with the ads long before consumers do. Consumers like the comfort factor of seeing an ad a few times over and over. Yet right now, we're, we're, we're creating new content every single day. No one repeats their content on Instagram. No one repeats it on Facebook. Um, and very few repeat it on television for very long. Yet, um, that's how you build a brand. Again, consistency and repetition. Interesting, interesting. Now, you mentioned a few mistakes people are making these days. Are there any other mistakes that you see you know, companies do when trying to build a brand? Yeah, um, you know, in some industries, there's this term, I don't, I don't like it, but it's called hacking or hacks. What basically that means is they look at the best practices of what other people are doing, their competitors, and they do the same thing, copying other brands' practices. Uh, it's a shortcut. It's a hack. And what that winds up doing is uh, creating a bunch of sameness. Competitors don't really differentiate. They're all doing the same tactics and strategies. Uh, it's not original. You can't own a hack because someone else is doing it. And I think it comes from just rushing and wanting to take shortcuts and maybe not truly understanding your target consumer, which is an area that I find uh, a lot of uh, young marketers don't really fully understand their customer from a deep uh, psychographic perspective. And uh, without that, you wind up just, you know, uh, doing mediocrity. Everything comes out in mediocrity. And the end product of that, you know, again, I'm going to talk about brand harmony. That is the ideal for me. When all the touch points are guided by a strategy, they all, I mean, to use a musical term, they're all playing the same music and singing the same song from the same you know, the same musical uh, compose, co composer. And um, the composer tends to be, you know, chief marketing officer and or the CEO who understand the brand. Everybody has to follow that. All the touch points have to be consistent with that. And when that doesn't happen, you quickly dilute the brand. It becomes less valuable, less meaningful to customers. Um, I, I call it ransom note branding. And ransom note branding is, the opposite of brand harmony. Think about what a ransom note looks like. It's a letter composed of every single part of it is cut out of a different bit of content, so it looks random. And that's kind of what a lot of brands are heading towards, ransom note branding, because they're stretching the limits of the brand. They don't have very tight guidelines for how the brand's voice sounds, what it looks like. Um, what it sounds like. And so you get a very scattered brand. And that's what I call a ransom note brand. It's got no guidelines, no discipline, and uh, it's managed by a lot of different people. And whether it's deliberate or whether there's non people don't understand the concept of uh, keeping a, a brand harmony, um, we just have a lot of brands that are ransom notes, poorly, poorly managed. I totally hear what you're saying. And when I, when I look in my Instagram or Facebook feeds, um, and I see swimwear, you know, like shorts companies, they all look alike, you know, they're called yeah. different names, but they all look alike. And it's like, it's so easy not to, not to, to recognize the brand at all because the products look almost the same. The features are almost the same. I think from my perspective, a lot has to do with people want to get, Equids rich as quick as possible. They just, as you said, they yeah. copy, they copy a, a, a product or they find it in, in China and they, they, you know, they just set up a store, create a brand 
uh, they want to sell sell the same thing. They basically write on the wave of demand that is there for these kind of products without putting much into it. As you said earlier, they're they're trying to cut corners and get to the endpoint as quick as possible. And that might work in some instances. Uh, but for example, we work with with a, with a company at the moment that has created a product that is just so badly positioned in the market. While the product is great, but because of the positioning and the branding, it's it's not selling. It's it's confusing customers and their competitors seemingly doing a much better job because their thought behind their brand is much more established. They put more effort into actually building a brand and, and targeting the audience that would buy that product. I think that's true. I, I think there's, again, we talked about shortcuts, but I also think part of the issue is this emphasis on the short term, the here and now, um, and how you measure success, You know, especially in, in the digital world. When digital becomes the core of your marketing effort, you tend to want to get more likes, more exposure, more views. That's so short-term oriented and those kinds of, that kind of feedback and those reinforcements are practically worthless. Um, what really counts is at the end of the day, it's are you selling? Are you building a brand over the long term? Um, it, it, it's hard work to create a brand. It's it's uh, very seductive to, to fall into the trap of wanting to get likes and to, to do tactics that drive maybe some short-term sales, but at the expense of your brand. I mean, anybody can get cheap attention. That's really easy to do. But that also is not the best way to build a brand. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think you have to have some seasoning and understand brand management. You know, back in the day, and I'm dating myself here, back in the, uh, in the early 80s, Procter & Gamble, uh, their, their brand management handbook, was the guideline for so many companies. My company, Hugline, used it because we hired a bunch of PMG guys. And those principles of how to build and manage a brand are still solid. Um, you know, and, and which is why PMG still is a phenomenal company. But not too many people follow those kinds of that that kind of discipline in building brands. They just think they either don't care or they they can outsmart it or they're the more t- technical, digital savvy. But the principles are still there. The principles have not changed, even though the tools have changed. Uh, creating a brand is hard work, and it requires experience and a certain amount of artistry and an understanding of strategy and big ideas and positioning. Um, it's not just about, let's get some more clicks on Instagram. And uh, that's, that's the lowest form of branding, frankly. So quick success and building a brand doesn't go together, basically. Very rarely. I mean, you know, overnight success is usually with branding. The faster it goes up, the faster it goes down. I'll give you an example. Um, I was uh, I was watching, uh, you may remember about a year ago, the hottest new thing to come around was this digital tool called Clubhouse. Do you remember when Clubhouse mm-hmm. was Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone was talking about it. Oh, it was unbelievable. I, I played around with it a bunch. I did a few, uh, you know, meetings on Clubhouse, participated in a bunch. Well, as it turned out, it it was kind of a, turned into the Tower of Babel. It was a big short-term thing, and it's kind of a dud. And I'm sure it's got some value now, but it, it did not live up to its the next big thing, going to kill Facebook, going to kill Google. It's kind of uh, basically turned into a static, and uh, I think the valuation of it has plummeted. So, again, I, I think um, it was just the faster it goes up, the faster it can go down. I see that. I've seen that for decades. Brand building requires one solid foundational step after another. 
if you try to go too fast, you get ahead of it, and it's not, you know, your the brand isn't built on a solid foundation. And so it can come crashing down if, uh, if, if things change or if you, if you miss something. So, you know, I, I, I like, you know, Apple. Apple's a 30-year process of creating this incredibly valuable brand. Yeah, different, different approach. Nike, same thing. Nike took a long time to build that brand. And, and, you know, they've made some missteps over the last few years, but the brand is still super solid underneath because they've got that foundation that they've built over decades. Martin, but do you think that the environment back in the days when Nike was founded and the time they had to build that brand was different than these days? And the same to Apple, right? I mean, in the, in the 80s, you know, their brand wasn't that strong. You know, um, it, it happened later that, you know, Steve Jobs and team built the brand for what it is now. Right, but but the market environment was completely different. I feel like that now we the access to things is much greater than it was back then. There's so many more different companies in the market space that, that you know people want to play in. Does that also yeah, prevent companies to to go that route to build a solid foundation? Because you know you might spend a lot of money in building a brand, as you said, you need consistency, which in, in that regard also means there is a certain level of investment required. But what if the product itself, you know, doesn't take off, and then you've basically spent a lot of money, but your return is is is, is not there? Well, these are complicated issues. Again, that's why I think uh, neophytes and amateurs are probably not the best people to manage these brands <laughs> and make decisions about it. It's it's complicated. It's very difficult. You have, also have to, you know, there's, oh, branding is one thing, but a, a big part of the brand is whatever the product or service is. That has to be really unique. And you can paint a, a pretty picture on a lousy product, but at the end of the day, people are going to discover that. And that's also a part of the branding equation is what are you selling? What's your product? Is it, is it, does it live up to its promise? Is it unique? Is it on strategy? Is it differentiated? And, you know, if you've got a great product, you spend less on advertising because it sells itself in some ways. I mean, just think about it. For uh, the agency I worked for, Footcone and Belding, um, very early on, we had the Amazon.com account when they did some advertising. And you may have noticed that somewhere in the late 90s, Amazon decided they weren't going to do any advertising because they had such a great thing going. They didn't have to. And uh, they, they rode that way for a long time. Amazon doesn't do a whole lot of advertising. They do now. They've come back to it because they've changed. You know, the company's just so much bigger and so broader. But there was a 10-year period where they didn't do much advertising, and they still grew relentlessly because the product was good. The service was good. It was unique and special. Um, so, yeah, that factors into it, too. Again, branding is complicated, and uh, it should be done by people who are experienced and have created I learned from learned from their own mistakes, but have uh, created a certain amount of expertise to understand what you can and cannot do. It's it's really not for everybody. And uh, I, I've seen it in so many companies and categories handing over some of the brand management responsibilities to a person who has really basically not the right background for it. And yeah. uh, now again, you got a ransom note brand, and that turns into. Uh, you know, a brand that isn't as valuable. It's harder to sell. You have to spend more money to promote it. Makes everything harder. Yeah, yeah. Now earlier you mentioned, or oh, you said, you know, obviously, fifty percent of the population is over the age of fifty. Um, yeah. How the and then you mentioned that you know a lot of the um, art directors, creative directors these days, they are in their thirties. So how you know how can they understand what that market really needs? How does that impact brands? And, and what are the opportunities 
that exists in the 50 plus market? Yeah, I, I think the 50 plus market is where it's at. Um, yeah, there's a disconnect right now. Just look at what you're, look at the Super Bowl ads. Look at every ad, look at every social media uh, outlet. There's not a lot of in-depth understanding of the 50 plus market. And believe it or not, not only is half the adult population 50 plus, but two thirds of the money is in, in consumers who are over 50. Now, that's not a niche market. Yet, many companies treat it like it's irrelevant. And just from that perspective, I've just been shaking my head because it's, uh, it is a bigger, much bigger market than the youth market. Take an industry that I know very well because I've been in it for a long time, the fitness industry. Remarkably youth-oriented. Every bit of communication, every customer experience, every social media post. It, it is very rare that a company understands the 50-plus consumer in the fitness business. Yet, fitness is proven to be so much in demand by people above 50 now, and they're being forced to participate in an industry that doesn't fully understand them. And which, as a result, a lot of people are not participating because the industry is kind of alienating them in many ways. So I, I've been on a kick. Uh, one of my companies and my book and possibly some future companies are all about providing, uh, serving the 50 plus market. And because I'm above 50, I, I have a, not only a special interest in it, but I do have an innate understanding of the boomer consumer um, in a way that, you know, a 29-year-old creative director just isn't going to get. They, you know, they, they're missing the cultural references. They just haven't lived it. And, uh, and that's why there's such a disconnect in a lot of, um, in a lot of communication. It's, it's not targeted at where all the, the opportunity is. Many categories. You know, there's this thing, some economists and social scientists have created. It's called the longevity economy. And right now, anything that participates in the longevity economy is probably going to experience incredible growth if it's done right, because that's, again, where the, the money is. And that's where a giant market is that is being underserved by most categories. So we're going to see a rapid evolution towards the longevity economy in many categories. It, it's exciting. And that's, that's one of the the, the areas that I'm going to participate in is uh, creating products and services for the longevity economy. Interesting, interesting. Well, Martin, before we come to, to the end of today's podcast episode, um, what are the biggest branding lessons you can leave us with? What, yeah, you know, uh, what, what, what would you say is important? If there, if there are companies out there that actually say, you know what, no, we're, we're in it for the long run, right? We don't want to be uh, that one-hit wonder Quick money is great, but you know we need to have a stable foundation to to build a brand that lasts. What other things that you would give them? I have three or four thoughts on that. The first one is it's always strategy first, tactics second. That's mostly the reverse now. Tactics tend to come first, but you have to have a unique strategy. You have to have a big idea, and that's that's where you should spend most of your time coming up with that big idea and coming up with a strategy and follow that strategy. The second thing, again, be original. Don't do a bunch of brand hacks. You've got to find a unique point of um, reference for your branding. It's got to be original. You can't just do a version of someone else's brand and copy what they're doing. That is never going to work. And the third thing, and I know I sound like a broken record, but consistency and repetition. That's, that's what builds brands. No matter what the medium, no matter how many tools there are, no matter how digital we get, 
that's the only way to break through the clutter is to be consistent. It's not about screaming louder or coming up with more sensationalist ways of getting your brand to break through the clutter. It's consistency that wins the day. And again, reminder that marketers get bored of their their, their communications before consumers do. So usually it's the marketers who think they, that consumers don't want consistency. They do. They want, to, they want to be comforted by the fact that a brand is consistent. And uh, that's how you get to it, repetition. So that's, that's, that's some of my uh, top-line um, guidelines. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, it's back to basics, no matter what the tools are. Um, staying within the, the basic rules of branding are still critical. They're not going to change. Perfect. Well, Martin, thank you so much for joining me on the Performance Event Podcast and sharing your thoughts on Brand Harmony. Well, if people want to find out more about you, what you're up to, um, and what you're up to into next, um, how can they find out? Uh, thanks, Stefan. Uh, well, first of all, I'd love to connect on LinkedIn. And uh, I also have a website that is uh, mylastname.com, pizani.com. Feel free to, to you can find my contact information there and you can send out a way to connect on LinkedIn. Love to network with people, love to hear from people, love to coach and guide and, uh, and advise. So happy to connect. Thanks everyone for listening. If you like the Performance Delivered podcast, please subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast application. If you want to find out more about Symphonic Digital, you can visit us at symphonicdigital.com or follow us on Twitter at SymphonicHQ. Thanks again and see you next time. Performance Delivered is sponsored by Symphonic Digital. Discover audience-focused and data-driven digital marketing solutions for small and medium businesses at symphonicdigital.com.